0: You're listening to The Sound of Pursuit. I'm Hal Humphreys.
1: I'm John Nardese.
0: This past weekend was damn near perfect. Four nights at our beloved Sedgwood camp. It's a knoll and a wood at the end of a lane in Tennessee. It rained on Saturday, not a quick shower or spot of rain, but a day-long soaking that inspired a lack of ambition. Kim and I snuggled in for an afternoon of movies, a perfect way to spend a rainy day on a knoll in a wood at the end of a lane in Tennessee, or anywhere for that matter. We queued up the menu on HBO and happily took that slippery descent into dark farce. I'm not going to offer up any spoilers other than to say this is a dark comedy. Heavy on the dark with just a hint of humor threading its way throughout in spite of the ponderous portions of calamity. This is a film about food, but not really. If you know me, you know I do enjoy food. I have been called a foodie, but that label label never felt right. I like food. I like cooking. I like eating. I'm not so much enamored of the whole molecular gastronomy thing. I might sometimes fall into the realm of Epicurean, but only in the sense that I really enjoy food. While I do enjoy luxury in meals, I can find luxury in very simple things. Barbecue, a meat and three, or, and this is relevant to the movie, A perfect cheeseburger. Chef Slowick, played by Ralph Fiennes, said to one of the guests in the film, I'll make you feel as if you're eating the first cheeseburger you ever ate, the cheap one your parents could barely afford. I want that. The menu is a study in class and wealth and privilege and entitlement, but it's also a study in how joy dissipates. Under the pressure of the need to make money, the desire to make more money, the demands of clients, the expectations of customers, the pressures to do more, make more, be more. All that said, this movie still left a sense of a lingering taste of hope. I've been a private investigator for the past 15 years, I've been in and around the business of investigation since I was a kid. This may sound strange, but I have found great joy over the years in this work. There is meaning in providing a valuable service. There is joy in being outside of a full day, tracking down witnesses and asking questions. Visiting a crime scene, seeing what people have done, how people live, cultural differences. Taking an interview in that shop out back that was custom-built to hold that 1969 Boss 429 Mustang. Talking to a guy in that board and batten barn that holds an array of vintage farmalls, there's the Cub, the Super A, the Model C, all fully restored. Listening to a witness excitedly tell you about the notches on the kitchen doorframe or why he can't stomach living here one more day without her. Late night surveillance, listening to Art Bell in the small hours of the morning, work of an investigator allows us a voyeuristic peek into the hopes and dreams and triumphs and losses of others. If we slow down and notice, there is great joy in this work. But the phone rings, an email dings, please update the status of this report, ding, Why not use a video camera instead of your phone? Ding. Is this report still scheduled for Friday delivery? Ding, ding, ding. And with each ding, our joy slips ever so quietly down the back of our throat as we swallow our pride, our professionalism, our dignity to keep those clients happy so we can earn more, make more, do more. Here's an idea. Head out the door for your next surveillance with an open mind. Pay attention. Notice. Notice how people live. Notice the cool or strange choices people make. Listen to their story. Check out their collections, muscle cars, tractors, whatever. Just take some time to notice. Consider. Consider how your work, the work of a boots-on-the-ground investigator, fits into the global legal and insurance ecosystem. Consider the service you actually provide, offering your professional observations and opinions about witnesses, people, and their behavior. Helping your attorneys serve their clients better. Helping insurance companies identify fraud. Helping a husband or a wife get the whole story. Saving a company from hiring the wrong person. You are an integral part of risk analysis. I mean, that's pretty cool when you slow down enough to truly consider it. The menu is a truly dark farce. It is violent, there is bloodshed, it is not for everyone. But it landed on my plate perfectly. Kim and I spent hours discussing the movie's themes, takeaways, and overall meaning. I know I've gone on for a little bit, but for me the takeaway of the menu is simple. There is joy in the small things. There is joy in this work. John, I wanna say thank you, first of all, for being willing to play along on this podcast. I think this is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it and, and having someone to bounce ideas off and that kind of stuff. You know, Kim and I dove into that movie the menu over the weekend and you know after talking to you it seems like you had watched as well What, what were your thoughts about that movie did it hit you in kind of the same way
1: it did uh it was it's funny that we both we all all four of us watched the movie this weekend and uh it's about food but not really you know it's it's the jokes are dark and hilarious and a little hopeless and sad in parts and uh you know, it's about the obsessive pursuit of excellence and fame and ego, and uh, I loved it. I thought it, it hits all the the things that I love: food and pursuing a dream and pursuing art, and then crime noir as well. What did you think of
0: it? You know, I, I, I the moment the movie was over, several times throughout the movie, I found myself laughing at very inappropriate moments. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of the way they designed it. But um, literally, after the movie was over, Kim and I kind of sat there in silence for maybe two or three minutes. And then the conversation started and we didn't stop talking about it for at least two hours. Just nonstop, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does it say about society? All that stuff. But I think for me that... The thing that gets me is it's so easy to get sucked into perfection and try to to, to, to to do the absolute like nth degree of work on everything. And at the end of the day, my friend John Aho, who has helped me build a couple of um, projects around out at the Buffalo River, um, we were working on a, a building one afternoon and I was being very precious about where things should be and how the measurements were working out. And he looked at me and goes, Hal, yeah. it's it's not a church, nail it.
1: <laughs> right, And, and right.
0: sometimes just getting a thing done is just as important as being perfect. Now, I, you know, Brian Willingham and I have talked about perfection and, and, and that kind of business. And I know he has some ideas about, you know, Things should be as as good or as close to perfect as possible. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but at some point, you got to get the work done. Um, and the movies point at some point, people have to eat, right? Yeah. For private right. investigators, at some point, somebody's going to have to go to court. You know, the work needs to be done. And the other thing is, I think that the minute you lose the joy. In the work, it really stops being fun, and this work can be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, and
0: that and, and that's. Uh, I sometimes joke
1: with people: the only thing worse than a celebrity PI is a celebrity chef, or vice versa. Uh You know, we all have a taste of it when you work on these big cases and you see celebrities, and you work on celebrity cases, and you know you have a budget and you can conceivably do anything. You know, which is unlike uh, some cases. But in the end, you know, you have to have joy in this work. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I'd rather watch somebody, I'd w- rather watch a garbage man throwing barrels into the into the truck if he's doing it, enjoying it, than watch an artist be sullen about it. And that's what was so great about that movie was that chef, you know, the, they flash back to the early days when he was just cooking uh, hamburgers in the restaurant and the joy on his face, you know, in those old snapshots that they, they – uh, they showed
0: and the funny thing about like the the movie telegraphs a lot of things like there's it's just like you know exactly what's about to happen next on a couple of spots and that was one of the ones that foreshadowing of the picture of him just looking as happy as possible the cheeseburgers like yeah that's going to come back that's going to mean something but when we're doing all right so you and i both focus primarily on criminal defense work Um, which can be heartbreaking at times. Um, you know, a lot of times the outcomes are not what we're hoping for. Um, things go wrong for our clients, the attorneys and their clients, the defendants. Um, but when it goes right, it is spectacular. Yes, it is. Um, and for surveillance guys, you know, I was thinking about this this afternoon, the folks that are out there in surveillance, you know, I've done surveillance work and I've had a lot of fun doing it. I don't want to do it right now. I'm too old to be sitting in a car at two o'clock in the morning, you know, on a chilly night doing this stuff. But my God, I had some fun doing surveillance back in the day. Have you ever done surveillance work?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. When I was brought into this business, uh, you know, we were expected to do a little bit of everything. And, uh, I think that's one of the things as you get on in your career and you become more successful, whatever it is, whether you're focusing on surveillance or trial work and doing uh, research and interviews, there's always that balance between doing the work and then as you get bigger, now you're managing people. So you're getting bigger and you're doing more managing. And, a lot, and for a lot of us, and I think you and I have talked about this, there's less pleasure in it for me. I'm a, I'm a person who likes to do things. I don't always want to supervise. And I've I've had people who have told me, they said, you should be hiring more people and doing less work. And I've tried to do that. And I pulled back and it, you know, I, that was one of the strange things that I kept thinking about during that movie was a chef who just, you know, when it comes, to, comes time to make the big cheeseburger in that scene, you know, the, the look of joy that just radiates over his face, And I feel like I still have that when I'm when I'm doing the work, when someone tells me, hey, can you go find this person, do background research and go find them? They're somewhere in the country. Do you think you can locate them? It's been, you know, 12 years or something like that. That's the joy. And that's what's so great about that film. It just sort of that that theme echoed throughout.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I've, we have several friends in this business that work for larger companies or that own larger companies. And that's one of the main complaints I hear from them is the more employees you get, the more you end up doing managerial stuff and you don't get out, get your hands dirty and do that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, uh, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and drop a, um, I'm going to go here to the host clean and I'm going to drop a little hashtag business here. We're talking about the movie "The Menu." Uh, you can find it on HBO. I think it is a fantastic movie. Like I said, um, like I said earlier, it ain't for everyone. Um, you know, it, it's brutal. It's it's messy. It is a, I call it a dark farce. Um, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's comedy there, but you got to kind of look for it. Um, yeah. I will say this. You are listening to The Sound of Pursuit. I'm Hal Humphreys, and this is my buddy John Nardese here. John, introduce yourself again.
1: John Nardese. I'm an investigator from the Boston area. Great to be here with Hal, talking about all things crime noir and investigation and film and everything else in between.
0: You can find us on Twitter at PursuitMag.com. You can also find me on Twitter at FindPI. And if you're looking for john nardese on twitter you can find him at author pi um so that is where to find us on social medias john um you know we had talked about discussing um some of the uh the idaho case um, the idaho murder case i have not been as deeply steeped in that as i probably should be um Give us a rundown of what what that's about, what's happening, where it is.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure many people have been following on the the murders of four college students in Moscow, Idaho. And the defendant is uh, Brian Koberger, who's been charged. Um, One of the interesting things about the case was it seemed like the investigation was proceeding very quietly. There was no uh, name attached to it for... I think it was well over three or four weeks. And then last week, they produced, the police produced an affidavit that has kind of a a woven tapestry of almost every single piece of evidence that you would see in a criminal or civil case. You got security cameras, internet video streams, uh, TikTok postings, which were timed, uh, cell phone tower hits from a cell phone that pinged. DNA samples and even a witness ID. So there's it, everything's in there and uh, it looks complete. It looks like it was very well done. But um, as we all know Hal, on the defense side reasonable doubt may exist Wait, so somewhere in lawyers, there.
0: One of my lawyers says reasonable doubt for reasonable fee. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know th- there's what we offer. Anytime a case like this hits the public. It's it's out there in the public realm, and it's getting a lot of news like that. You get you get all these experts chiming in and, and getting airtime, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, get on on Twitter and Facebook, you've got citizens that don't really know what it is we do or what it is the police do, saying, "Oh, they're doing a horrible job." You know, they haven't done anything. It's been three weeks. Right. What are they doing? Um, sometimes these investigations on the prosecution side just take some time. Um, and from the defense side a lot of times until we have a defendant identified there's nothing for us to do um that's right but what do you have a client i know there was a private investigator that, that was interviewed about the story and i don't want to say names um but when you get called um, by press members to comment on a case that is that is ongoing that is or, or new in the news like that what is your kind of how do you deal with that? Um, generally, I
1: decline it because, sort of, out of respect to to fellow colleagues, we all know how long this stuff takes. I mean, a couple weeks is really not that long, and I think the modern uh sentiment is you know, you hear this thing, lay people talk about, well, if a murder is not solved, in 48 hours, you know, it's the percentages go down. Yeah, probably true, but it's still a very good chance they're going to solve it if they do it properly. So um, I, I, it's way too early to comment. I'm mean, sort of having fun here because we're in the industry and we're already noting things about the affidavit that, that you might attack uh, as a defense investigator or attorney. But um, I think you have to be careful about pick, picking apart other investigators. It reminds me when you have a, a somebody come into your house uh, carpenter and then they start trashing the work done by the previous carpenter just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad yeah too many times we people automatically think that, that there's only one way to do it and i think we all know that's not true there's there's many many ways to to solve a problem to conduct an investigation to uh, uh cook food like in the menu different 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 approaches different uh recipes
0: so yeah and the the the, the- Picking a part of another person's work, whether they be a private investigator or a public investigator, a police officer, a detective, or a DA investigator, Um, I mean, the best of us on either side of that fence are out there trying to find um, facts and put together a reasonable narrative. Um, Are there some bad ones out there that are doing bad work, of course, on both sides of the fence? Um, But when... When we as private investigators start picking apart someone else's work without full knowledge of what's going on and what they're doing, I think that's bad form. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. And I think related to that too is the the competition that we all face, uh, just gathering facts on a case like this, like this this murder in Moscow, Idaho. You're competing against uh reporters. You're competing against uh, police officers everybody's going after the same witnesses and how I, I i'm sure you've worked on some of these cases that are in the news have you have you run into situations where witnesses are, are discussing with you hey you know uh i spoke with somebody from national uh whatever they're going to pay me for an interview why should i sit why should i talk to you you're just a private investigator have you had that come up and handle that in a certain way
0: Oh, you know, uh, I've had witnesses ask for money, ask for drugs, ask for alcohol, ask for pretty much everything. I've had them tell me, you know, so-and-so reporter is going to pay me for my story. At the end of the day, my approach as a private investigator is, look, you know what? I'm working for a defense attorney. Um, I kind of consider it a civil duty. uh, If you know something about the thing. Do the right thing. If you were in this person's shoes, would you not want someone to step up and talk um, right. and, and tell us what really happened? Um, that's the way I approach it. it. Doesn't always work. I mean, I've had I had one witness. We we ended up subpoenaing her to a hearing that was going to happen anyway, and then talking to her in the hallway because she would not like. We couldn't find her anywhere. We went by her house. Her mom was hiding her. She just didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've said this once, I've said it five gazillion times, we're private investigators. We can't make people talk to us. We have yeah. to rely on, you know, charm and good looks.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I sometimes tell people, say, take, you know, if you're going to take money from one of these so-called newspapers, that's fine, but I'm coming back with something known as a subpoena. So in the end, and that's not, you know, we don't threaten witnesses with that in the sense that it doesn't, it's not true. It's absolutely true. As we know, as we get closer to trial, you know, sometimes witnesses think if I can evade this guy for, you know, the two year investigation, I might be okay. That might be true, but we're, you know, we're going to be going with all guns blazing to get that document to you and get the sheriff's department to get you into court. And we've done that. And uh, so that's sort of the ultimate Trump card. I think you can, you know, you, maybe you're going to get paid, whatever, but the story is going to be told in the courtroom as well in
0: the end. No doubt. Always is. Um, John, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, and I'm looking forward to, uh, you and me finding a groove with this podcast and, and putting out some, some really interesting podcasts in the coming months. Um, you know, and from this point forward, I'm going to promise our listeners that we're going to do a little bit more research up front. We're going to get Kim involved on prepping us on some things. Um, and we'll have this nailed down within pretty short order, but John, thank you for doing this.
1: Hal, it was great to talk to you about these cases. And, uh, I think we both agreed that if we are asked for any final reports this week, we're going to
0: reply crinkle cut or Julianne. Yes. Absolutely. That's um, the inside
1: joke for the menu watchers out there.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to switch back over here to me by myself. There we go. I'm Hal Humphreys. This is the sound of Pursuit. We really appreciate you listening to us. Um, if you want to find us on, again, Twitter, PursuitMag.com. Also, do not forget if you're listening to this podcast, on youtube go right underneath this video here and subscribe to our youtube channel it doesn't cost you anything and it helps us out a great deal thanks